www.radiofree.tv podcast network. Are you guys in that snake club? <laughs> <laughs> This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 188 for the week of January 22nd, 2018. I am brother from the same mother, David T. Cole, and I'm here with disputed Capri son, Sarah D. Bunting. I'm calling corporate. This is fucked up. Surprise snake, Tara Ariano. Surprise, bitch. And emergency tracheotomy performer, John Ramos. That contact lens solution better be free. <laughs> Dave's sick today. Dave's <laughs> low levels of Dave. Take it away, Tar. Okay. Hi. Uh, welcome to another episode of Extra Hot Great. Uh, joining us, uh, and by us, I mean Sarah and myself and minimally Dave, uh, is returning champion, John Ramos. Hey, John. Hey, Hi, John. everyone. Thrilled to be here as always. Oh, wow. He wasn't kidding about minimal. <laughs> He's not even on the soundboard. Uh, we are. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> so we're here today to talk about uh, season two of High Maintenance, which uh, just had its season premiere uh, last Friday. Uh, we got access to the first several episodes. Um, I made a canon presentation. I, I think I'm, I'm sure I talked about it at some point around on around the dial and then made a canon presentation of the season finale back in 2016. And one of the things that I I'm sure I said about it at the time was that um, the weed is sort of beside the point. What I love about the show so much is it's, it's warm, empathetic sensibility. And that definitely continues in season two. This is a show that really loves all of its characters and it makes you love them too. John you watched all of season one, which is why you're here today. What are your early thoughts on season two? Um, yeah, it's so interesting that you say that because uh, I did watch all of season one and really enjoyed it. And I went back and looked at episode descriptions to refresh my memory. And I was like, wow, I don't remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but except like one one little plot point, basically. But I think that's because it's it's kind of beside the point. It's the, yeah. it's the feeling that it creates is is what's so fun about it um i will say i really thought the premiere was kind of off-brand for the show i didn't like it oh um, okay but everything everything else since then um i really enjoyed i thought that i thought the first one was just a little too pleased with its premise and was kind of off-brand in a way that the show it, it went for bigger moments and i think is in the show's wheelhouse and mm -hmm. i don't think it succeeded um Without, so we should like, say, spoiling what happened. But. No, I think you can because uh, it's air. Okay. Go ahead. So normally you have a little couple of vignettes of which the, um, you know, a lot of episodes are kind of broken into two parts that are not, you know, completely discreet necessarily. Usually the, the main character just referred to as the guy, like kind of shuttles back and forth. And as you said, the weed is kind of the delivery system <laughs> to the characters. <laughs> um, this one kind of affects everyone in the world at the same time. Something happens at the beginning of the episode. It's like some sort of world event that is kind of purposely never discussed. Although I did like Zapruder, like a newspaper headline to see what it was. And you can actually see if you're, if you're interested, but that's kind of beside the point. Oh, it's not, it's but, not the election. That's what I assumed. Um, 
Okay, maybe. I mean, that wasn't what was on the that wasn't what was on the um, headline. I don't think, but I think it, I think you're probably right. It's just what it, it. I guess it just 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 didn't really match up with what was what was on the paper. I see. Um, regardless, I mean, you see everyone's reaction to it. I mean, I guess yeah. It, if it was the election, it felt like people didn't. People were reacting in a way that seems so unexpected that like. Uh, it, it, that's that, that's not really how it played to me, but regardless, it, it, it's irrelevant. I'm, you just see a bunch of people reacting in, in this very "can you believe this way?" Um, and everyone's depressed for the whole episode, and then at the <laughs> end, like it's kind of like, "oh, but kids make everything better playing with balloons," and it just was like, I didn't get the same feeling that I get from this show. Like I didn't think there was the kind of, um, I don't know small scale caring of its characters that kind of works for me. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was off model. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't completely care for it. Well, unlike Um, the web series, I'll just break in here and say, unlike the web series and season one, this is the first season where they had a writer's room. The, the previous episodes were all written by Katja Blickfeld and Ben Sinclair. Right. Right. Who created the show together and Ben Sinclair. Yeah. So that might be part uh, of what you're responding to. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. But um, there are some great performances in the other episodes. Uh, Daniel Brooks from uh, Orange is the New Black yeah. comes in in episode three. That's a really good one. Uh, she plays a real estate uh, agent who's trying to, um, I don't know, advance her life a little bit. But she's really good. I uh, really wanted to see more of her. I was sad that we didn't come back to her more. She was great. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, was. The thing I referenced up top <laughs> has to do with an emergency tracheotomy in a bodega and like the way people are like kind of um, just like gawking in a way that like seems very realistic. Like they really don't want to look, but I mean, how can you not? Like, it's really <laughs> funny. And the guy who like performs the tracheotomy just with like just totally like it's at the end of his party night. He's like dressed up in like club you know, club makeup and like body makeup basically. And he's just like kind of casually doing this. And it's really funny. Um, I would say too, like not just the feeling. And then it just ended. Yeah. It's just over. Like he does it and he's like, he's breathing and this guy's a pen in his throat and everyone's like, Ooh. And he's like, I'll take that contact lens solution. And then it just ends. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it just gets out of these, these scenes in a very smart way, I think. And the other thing I would say, which is like kind of surprise, like, I realized this and kind of surprised myself, but it actually, what I really like about it is it feels very true to Brooklyn, but mm. not in a punchline way in a, in a loving, even, even though there are many like character esque, like very Brooklyn specific characters in there, it always treats them with some kind of, as you said, like empathy. And even if I don't want to live at Brooklyn in, in this point in my life, I still appreciate the way the show depicts it. Mm. Um, Sarah, as a Brooklyn resident, I'm wondering what you think about that. Uh, yeah, this could <laughs> this could be a documentary, basically. Um, but it's funny for me to watch it because, like, you know, I live in sort of a not this part of Brooklyn that we're seeing. I live in like Saturday Night Feverville, <laughs> um, which you know, eventually they're going to show that, and I'm going to laugh and laugh. Um our new city councilman is like a punk guitarist. So (laughs) shit's changing, but this could be a documentary just about like all the best 
things about living in the city. Mm -hmm. Like this is such a love letter to living in New York City and living in Brooklyn. And I sometimes wonder because I do live here. I am married to a real estate guy. Uh, like I felt Regine so hard. <laughs> she's like walking down the street and she sit with the Lucy's and the coffee and she sees the sign and she's like, fuck <laughs> you. Like that is Dan every day. <laughs> um, slightly quieter legging story on Dan. Not much. Um, that actor was, uh, that actor was on Oz, by the way. Uh, he was a series regular. Yeah. Uh, you remember him? Yeah. He was a burr, burr writing um, on that, on that show. The, yeah. There's a woman who's in the, she's in the like feminist consciousness raising scene. And she's also leading the yoga class. Yeah. The mm -hmm. actress name is Tijuana Ricks. And I was in a little thing for her that, uh, Mark Blankenship chair owner, Mark Blankenship directed for TDF. That was like the theater dictionary. Oh, and she and cool. I were in a couple of those little videos together. And I'm always excited to see her and my other co-stars. But, um, yeah, it just, I wonder how much other people would get out of it though, because first of all, I can't even tell really how mean spirited it is <laughs> towards these people. Cause it's like, I actually, you know, we all know these people right. <laughs> around here. Like there's always someone with multicolored dreads whose name is Ashley. And you're <laughs> like, well, Brooklyn, here we are. <laughs> but like these, it's so sharply observed, but mm -hmm. also it is so warm. And like, I get what you're saying about the first episode, but I think they didn't have a choice. I assumed it was about the election also, and I think they had to go there. And it was kind of an interesting take on like what the guy's life would be like when like the liberal lifestyle is threatened from without. I will say way. about that, that on the, the day after the election, my former colleague, Karen Gans, who's now a writer for the New York Times, uh, tweeted that if Gawker were still around, they would be doing a story about weed guys and what they were experiencing <laughs> on that day in New York. And it's so true. And that might be why I thought that I assumed that because it was still lodged in my mind over a year later. Well, and you've been seeing occasional stories lately that are like Trump weight is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like Trump AA is a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that balloon thing has happened to me on the past train, mm -hmm. something similar. I mean, I just, I just love how much it loves like all the, you know, million stories in the naked city and they're out to collect the whole set and, and tell these stories. And, and the guy is also the perfect center mm -hmm. for this. Like just the way that he is in the world is like, it's just really a smart like hub mm -hmm. to to put the spokes into for all the, for all the stories. Yeah. So, yeah. He, he I, I mean, is I very, but he is very empathetic toward the people he comes across to. For and sure. Forms the whole show. Yeah. W um, way more than anyone we know. I'm sure. <laughs> like he has so, <laughs> the fact that he's still delivering to Anya after the way she tried to fuck him in season mm -hmm. one, the, the writer yep. who in this season is um, doing, she's writing for vice and she's doing a story about ex um, Hasidic guys. And she, in season one, Sarah, if you didn't go back and watch it, she she sort of tricked him into doing a story and took a, a creep shot of him in her apartment and then tweeted it. Or no, put it on Instagram. Yeah. And he, and he found it out and was like, not cool, but he still, he hasn't blacklisted her and we know he's blacklisted <laughs> other people. So I just, yeah. that's and so And she's it. like, I love that moment where she ha puts his case of goods on her lap and he mm. just gently is like, he's mm. like, and there, <laughs> yeah. 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 But I actually know, like I have a friend like that. Who's a like musician by night, you know, 
does uh, interior design and painting by day and is just this very like, huh, like just, you know, anthropologically curious and open person. Mm-hmm. I And I don't understand how you can be like that at all, much less having lived here 25 years, but <laughs> they do exist. The, these like bike riding unicorns like the guy. <laughs> Tara, that was the first time we've met the 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 wife too, right? That has been yes. In season one, times, in that right? episode I did for the canon, we meet her new girlfriend. Um, right, but she's but Jules is always off screen. So yes, that's the right. first time we've seen her. Yeah, I was glad she wasn't like the 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 Tino on my so called life, like just never <laughs> discovered. Yeah, it was it was it was cool <laughs> to actually meet her, Sarah. There there as much as I said, like I don't remember specific things. There's one a couple of exceptions, and one is. Because uh, you you didn't watch anything outside of the season, have you? Or, or have um, you? no, I watched season one. Oh, you did, I, so but you... I didn't watch the web series. Yeah, because you I remember was so the charmed. episode where I don't remember where it where it fell, but uh, there's an episode where this couple like moves to Ditmas Heights because they think, oh, we can get a big place and people that, yes. come visit. It's just a train ride away, <laughs> and like they move uh-huh. back like within like 20 minutes. They're just like. <laughs> Yeah, that's I think we've all series. experienced that on one one side or the other or both. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. when you when you choose to live in these zip codes that are or people are like the J train. That's not real. Like, yeah. Well, in that episode, the wife is like, "We have to go to every single social event so that people will believe it's not that far." I'm like, I feel that Upper West Side when everyone else is in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I just, I love the show. The web series is so worth watching too. We watched, I hadn't watched it before except for the, the episode that was like the prequel to the season one finale that I did for the canon. But I, I, we watched them all last weekend and they're so good and they're so short and so, so, so smart. And, you know, you can certainly watch all of season one of the HBO show without knowing the backstory of these characters, but knowing it makes it so much richer in experience. And it's, if you have time it probably takes like two between two and three hours to like watch all of them. And if you have a couple of two or three hours, I really recommend it. Cause they're great. Like there's really not a dud in the bunch. So is the first rule of, is the first rule of snake club that you don't talk about snake club or can we talk <laughs> about that episode? Oh my God. It was so good. Just the little <laughs> throwaway lines in the background. I would also like to note that the like, pistol waving lady who's just like tried to shoot the snake and uh oh, one woman's like do you God. even know how to use that and she's like i have a master's like <laughs> someone else figure it is, out. like in yeah. literature <laughs> okay this this actor was um keith's little sister in some kind of wonderful so yeah. a we're old b hey maddie how's it going and the, just the end where they're all piling down the hallway and like i don't know like the cat the cat got et which <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know what I, what else i really liked about that seat was they could have gone the cliched route of like you know woman busts out the gun everyone's hysterical and the man present like you know saves the day but he's just as pantsingly terrified as everyone else and they have a then they have a moment of you know <laughs> female solidarity of sorts when they all team up to like carry the snake back home and i just thought it was really it was it was empowering in a very weird and strange way that is like, that is uh, very true of this show. I really, and then it. at the like, last minute, he's like, they're all sort of like, um, going down the hallway, like in this pod. And he's like, Hey guys, it's one K. Sorry. I called you guys. <laughs> like, I just like, it's the little lines like that. 
<laughs> like, or just someone off screen being like, wait, weed guy. I thought we had a policy. Yeah. Like, of course <laughs> you had a policy, Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, oh, and when the up, when the yoga instructor mentions that she gets her weed from canna bitches, that's something from the uh, from yeah. the episodes too. <laughs> that we meet one of the canna bitches and she's fucking insane. Yes, so. yes, I remember that. <laughs> Even though I didn't care for the first episode, I will make an exception for the uh, over enthusiastic spin instructor who's like teaching one person as yeah. if it's like the room is filled. Like that was hilarious. Yes, God, yeah. and that Cody. guy he's just like I'm down to two seventy five, but everyone's just like grieving this disaster and he's like yeah sigh it's just like, <laughs> not post <laughs> not yes. the day to put out good news on so but media. we've all been sorry. there too and like when he yeah. at the end of his story when he's like just gives up and has a burger like oh cody i get it <laughs> <laughs> the world is pushing me in this direction who am i to argue <laughs> god that burger looked good too well it's it a, it's an amazing show <laughs> i i love it so much i'm so happy it came back and um and I'm thrilled that Sarah, we got you on board after all this time because I, I, it feels like your kind of show. <laughs> the last thing I just wanted to shout out was uh, <laughs> the part where the, the the couple is testing out new laughs. <laughs>, oh. <laughs> that felt very, very true. <laughs> it's like, ha, 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 ha. I'm trying a new laugh. Do you like it? <laughs> oh my god! And that dinner scene. Oh, it's so awkward. Oh my god! But it's then, so like- uncomfortable. Like it's everything about how hard it is to try to make new friends mm-hmm. past fucking the age of 27 mm-hmm. and especially in that building situation. And like, I think we actually looked at an apartment in that building. Oh, wow. Oh my God. Obviously it's not the same setup, but I think it's actually in um, like, well, whatever, who cares? But it was like, oh God, like the, there are just so many things that like I could barely watch. I had to listen because it was <laughs> It was so uncomfortable. I mean, like, yeah, the actress didn't overdo it. But when the when the Asian uh, woman like compliments her shoes, she's like so like pathetically grateful and relieved <laughs> that like anyone even talked to her, much less paid her a compliment. And I was- noted those shoes, too, because that's exactly the kind of like whatever, like East Bushwick norm core sweater with like busted gold Swedish has-beens like I have I have those shoes they're <laughs> not that great they'll last forever though which is why they all wear them over there and also they're I mean they're basically hideous except for the gold part <laughs> but, all right well Sarah yeah. wrap things up what what what's your what's your takeaway for the season for the um it's pretty much I mean it's pretty much what I expected based on your canon presentation which was that um you know, that's the guy with the, you know, LaCroix Tower, like yes. the agoraphobe with the LaCroix Tower. And it was yeah. like so sharply observed, but also like just not mean, like yeah. not not too careful, though. And I but I don't I don't think that it's like I don't think it's one of those shows that like it's very New York-y, but in a like closed way. I think that mm-hmm. anyone can enjoy it and see like difficult or cringy or hilarious parts of, you know, being exes with someone or like mm-hmm. trying to make friends in your late twenties, early thirties or whatever it is. I think it's very, I think it has universal aspects to it because it's like this, you know, it has a basically positive welcoming attitude, mm-hmm. but without being, you know, like corny i don't know it's great it's a great show and there's really nothing like it which is fantastic it's really fun yeah 
to I'm spend sad time that with HBO. It. Sorry, I'm sad that HBO is keeping it on Fridays though, because I feel like it deserves a more it, it deserves a bigger platform to be part of its Sunday night shows. But mm. you know. I mean, that was not that I would ever use any illegal substance, but if I were going to do that, I would be able to tell you based on third hand info that a lot mm. of people like to stay home on Friday and watch public access and other pot related. <laughs> entertainment so i don't know maybe that's their <laughs> maybe that's their jam i don't know fair enough but yeah great show definitely check it out it is time to go around the dial our first stop tar ariano uh, I just want to mention Mosaic, which is a special event on Cinemax. Although if you don't get Cinemax, it's also going up day after on HBO. Uh, as we record this, two have aired by the time you hear this, three will have aired. Um, so it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then the last two episodes are airing back to back on Friday. So this is the new Steven Soderbergh thing. Um, I gather that it had its its origins in an app of some sort, like a choose your own adventure kind of thing. I am here to tell you that if you, if that sounds unbearable, um, they seem to have really soft soaped the interactive elements for the show. I've been watching episodes and have, you know, there's, there's, it doesn't feel like any reason for me to go and search out secondary material or experience it in a different way. You can just watch it as a show. So you're saying this is not HBO's version of Captain Power? <laughs> no. Um, so this is the story of Olivia Lake, who's a children's author and illustrator. She's played by Sharon Stone in a succession of completely stunning winter wear looks because <laughs> it's set in Summit, Utah. <laughs> um, and uh, some people that she knows uh, find out that there's some kind of there's there's a, a reason that they want to buy her land. There's there's a mineral minerals that they want to mine. And so they enlist somebody to um, basically con her into selling her land, whatever it takes. And this is definitely a very long con. Frederick Weller, who is really great and underused. I hope he's like a off Broadway director or something because the rest of the time we're not seeing him. I hope he's doing something interesting. Um, but he's the con artist. Also in this story is Garrett Hedlund as a guy that she clearly um, wants to fuck and gives a, a room in her beautiful giant barn of a studio um, in exchange for him doing odd jobs around the place. And then things happen there. We find out in the very first scene of the show that she's been murdered. And so then the story becomes like reconstructing what happened then and who it might be. And three episodes in, I still don't know. Uh, there's lots of faces that you recognize. Michael Cerveris from Fringe, uh, the guy who played Ziggy from The Wire, uh, many others that you will recognize from The Nick, which was Steven Soderbergh's last TV thing. Uh, Dave was not so into this. He only watched the first one with me. Um, but I think the uh, the con aspects of it will suck you in, Sarah. If this was not on your radar, I think that you would oh, like no, it. And it's, it's only on my six list, episodes. For sure. Oh, okay, good. Uh, it's it's really, really interesting and great. All the performances are excellent. Um, so uh, like I said, it's only six episodes. You can knock it off this week. Uh, I think it's really interesting and I suggest you check it out if you like a crime show. Um, and for my plugs, as you all know, because we mentioned it last week, uh, Sarah is already doing her excellent epic old school recaps uh of american crime story colon Thank the you. assassination of much. gianna versace or backwards i forget which it is 
But also coming very soon is uh, Mark Blankenship's epic old school recaps of Drag Race All-Stars. So <gasps> look out for those in the next several days. Uh, we're all Yay. very excited for that to come back. Season three of Drag Race. Woo! Mr. John Ramos. Okay, so in this golden age of television where there is so much content, I think uh, probably we all felt a few years ago that there was so much content out there now, especially with streaming services, that we could literally watch stuff that's already aired, you know, not watch any new stuff and still never run out of content. And I'm at the point where I'm actually living. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have cable anymore. I don't even have a TV. Um, I'm just kind of consuming yeah. stuff as I see fit. So there's like almost no appointment television That's in my bullshit. life anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it allows me to discover things in my own time. And obviously insecure is something that I had been meaning to check out for a while. Um, not solely because of Tara's recent Canon presentation, but Thanks. partially, um, it is great. <laughs> um, I think Issa is, she's a protagonist that I really want to watch because she does have a lot of moments where she does stuff where she knows she shouldn't, but she's still relatable and her heart is pretty clear. Um, And I'm really interested to see where it goes. I've only watched two episodes, but what I really wanted to shout out is capital that capital scene, I think from the pilot that probably (laughs) everyone was talking about at the time. But if you didn't watch the show, you might not know about it. So I don't want to spoil because it was such a joy for that moment to turn the way it did, like not knowing anything about it. But I will say that my roommate and I ever since have kind of spontaneously turned to each other at random moments without prompting and been like, maybe it's really rough. Maybe it's that enough. (laughs) (laughs) um, If that means something to you, that scene is actually on YouTube just by itself. You could find it by Googling the appropriate term. If not, I strongly encourage you to check it out. Uh, we'll probably ride along about the same time. So, <laughs> um, and for my plug, uh, my water documentary is finally widely available. It's called Ooh. What Lies Upstream. Um, you can find it on iTunes or the streaming service of your choice. Uh, it will also be on uh, ITVS uh, Independent Lens later this year. So please look for it. It's an important film, even if it's not the most fun sit, I would say. Say that title again, since I wooed over it. It is What Lies Upstream. Play on What Lies Beneath, yeah, not Yeah, upstream. I keep doing yeah. that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting. Hello. Um, Top Chef is in uh, Boulder this season, a.k.a. My High Brooklyn. Uh, I'm a little over it with the, like... There's been a lot of baby and pregnancy drama this season and like the double elimination last chance kitchen early reentries have gotten a little confusing and seem a little strained. Uh, and the show seems almost sadistic in terms of um, some of the challenges, like they made everyone camp out at altitude for like 36 hours to and It's like campfire food, like guys, like there's there's a waiver and then there's a waiver. But it's actually been an enjoyable ride. And as of this writing, uh, my man Chris from my old neighborhood in Windsor Terrace is hanging in. I'm rooting for him. Uh, But I think overall, the show has basically found a groove. It's like Amazing Race. It knows what it is. It doesn't try too hard to be anything else or jazz it up too much for the kids. It's just a 
fairly well-built cooking competition with just enough dickheads every season to make things entertaining. (laughs) However, uh, I come to you, dear listener, with a question. If anyone who watches the show could tell me what was going on during that judges table in the last episode and whether everyone was cringing at Tanya's comments or at Claudette's comments, I would appreciate it because I couldn't tell who the show wanted me to hate. And because I'm a sweet and sunny optimist, I had to hate them both. It was very tiring. Uh, At Tomato Nation on Twitter, please let me know what you think. Okay, thanks. Bye. My plug, of course, is for the podcast that I do with our guest today. It's called Go Pirates. It's about Veronica Mars. We do a deep dive into the episodes each week. We have a lot of fun. We make a lot of wood puns, but time is running out on that. So if you enjoy (laughs) terrible wordplay and then much chuckling at our own terrible wordplay, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't. Uh, Go Pirates. It's about Veronica Mars and it's me and John talking shit. Yay. Hi, Extra Hot Great. My name is Erica, and I apologize for this. I always thought that Star Trek Voyager was a better show than a lot of people gave it credit for. It had some cool characters, a nifty premise, and, since I was 15 years old at the time and super-duper basic, a real dreamboat in the person of Tom Paris as played by Robert Duncan McNeil. But even way back then, I was smart enough to realize that Season 2, Episode 15, was a pretty terrible episode of Trek. Over 20 years later, I have come to acknowledge that this is not only one of the worst episodes of television in history, it is one of the worst things that has ever happened. (laughs) So here we go. (laughs) Threshold, also known as the one where Tom Paris turns into a salamander because he goes too fast. (laughs) Paris is working on getting to warp 10, an impossible speed at which a ship would apparently pass through every point in the universe simultaneously. Test after test fails, and after a brief conversation in the mess hall with sentient grain of sand under your eyelid Neelix, he figures out what he has to do. One successful simulation later, and he's ready to go. Except whoops, no he isn't, as the captain interrupts his snuggy-clad reading time to tell him that, due to a slight enzyme imbalance in Tom's blood that will never come up again, it's going to be Harry Kim, the eternal ensign flying the shuttle. This particular point of contention lasts for about 37 seconds, with poor Robert Duncan McNeil having to grit his teeth and deliver, and Kate Mulgrew having to tamp down her gorge during, dialogue like this. When I was a boy, my father used to tell me that I was special. That one day I'd do something significant. My teachers at school, all the kids, everyone used to say, Tom Paris is going to do something important when he grows up. Obviously, that didn't happen. This isn't about personal redemption. We're talking about medical risk. Your life could be in danger, and we need you. Captain, this is the first time in ten years I feel I have a life to risk. (sighs) Anyway, he flies the shuttle, gets it to warp ten, and then, even though he's supposed to be at every point in the universe, which one would assume includes the region of space that Voyager is currently in, vanishes off sensors. Transwarp engines are stable. So are the nacelle pilots? I'm going to... Oh, my God. Lieutenant, can you hear me? Captain, he just d- disappeared off sensors. Increase sensor gain to maximum. 
Nothing. I can't find him. He's gone. Oh no, it's so tense, they'll never find him. <laughs> or the shuttle will show up more or less immediately with Paris passed out at the helm. The doctor determines that he's basically okay, then wakes him up by shouting at him, which I enjoy. And then Paris heads to the mess hall, where, after a cup of bad coffee, he collapses, blue veins standing out on his pasty, pasty forehead. Things just get worse from there. Tom's metabolism, or DNA, starts rejecting his environment, and he attempts to have a maudlin conversation with the doctor about his fate. You're losing me, aren't you? I'm gonna die. You're too stubborn to die, Mr. Paris. I want to try high-saturation radiometric therapy. It might slow down his cellular mutation. Here lies Thomas Eugene Paris, beloved mutant. A fitting epitaph, but I don't intend to let you use it just yet. Radiometric emitters are charged and ready. Begin with 45 rads per second. Great. Now it'll read, beloved radioactive mutant. No effect. Increase the dosage to 85 rads per second. I'm going to try inhibiting the cell mitosis with a biosuppressor field. Big funeral. With lots of pretty girls all crying. Except Taurus. Taurus doesn't cry. Do you ever notice that? I don't trust people who don't cry. Full disclosure, I get a genuine chuckle out of McNeil's delivery of the word great in that clip. Anyway, after an extremely embarrassing patch of dialogue in which Paris yells about pizza, demands that Kess kiss him, and makes a final request to tell his father how awesome Warp 10 is, he dies. Not for long, though. He wakes up and things go very downhill very quickly, by which I mean his hair falls out, followed by his tongue. Here's the thing, though. The writers make him keep talking anyway. <laughs> Look, I understand that losing a tongue is visually a shocking thing, but if you need him to keep talking, make him lose, like, his ears. He's turning into a salamander. You know what salamanders have? Tongues. <laughs> know what they don't have? External ears. If a man's entire tongue falls out, he can't form certain letters. And yet... I need to talk. <laughs> so I've noticed. Is it urgent? I'm rather busy right now. Urgent. Yes. Urgent. Why? Why would you do this to your actor? Did McNeil lose a bet? What happened? The doctor comes up with a space diagnosis. Paris is, against all evidence, evolving into the next phase of humanity. Or something. Space. Doc says they need to use anti-proton bursts to get Paris back to normal, and the next scene is of a hilariously frog-headed Paris being plugged into the warp core. Frog Paris escapes, disables the ship, knocks out slash kidnaps the captain, and steals a shuttlecraft, then takes it to warp 10 again, somehow disappearing off sensors. But after three days, the crew finds it again on a jungly planet, to which Tuvok and Chakotay beam down and find two huge salamander puppets chilling at the edge <laughs> of some murky water. They manage to phaser the salamanders without laughing, and then they see three little baby salamanders slither into the water. Three days doesn't seem like enough time to hatch eggs or give birth or whatever the hell, but sure, space! Chakotay and Tuvok display basic common sense, capture the baby salamanders, and take them back to the ship. Just kidding! Clip 5. First officer's log supplemental. We've transported the captain and Mr. Paris back to sickbay. As for their offspring, I've decided to leave them in their new habitat. Okay. Hang on. To properly express my feelings about this, I need to step away from my microphone for a second. Hang on. What? <laughs> Normally, 
Janeway is viewed as being the most anti-Prime Directive Starfleet officer in history, but Chakotay just left three creatures, enough to reproduce, that shouldn't exist for millions of years on an untested, unknown ecosystem in a region of space where they shouldn't be in the first place, and this is never mentioned again. This planet is fucked, ladies and gents. Now, speaking of fucked, Captain Janeway! The doctor is explaining that, after space treatment, her DNA is back to normal. Tom's is as well. Tom tries to hem, and even harder to haw, an apology about the amphibious naste they got to while they were sex amenders, but Janeway handles it, <laughs> teehee, with, shall I say, remarkable aplomb. I've thought about having children, but I must say I never considered having them with you. <laughs> Captain, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to say, except I don't remember very much about, uh, you know. What makes you think it was your idea? Sometimes it's the female of a species that initiates mating. She tells Tom she's going to recommend him for a commendation. He broke warp 10, plus he knocked her up, that's cool. Tom yammers for a while about trying to be awesome just for his own sake rather than his dad's. Janeway is a Hallmark card, and oh yeah, there was a weird microplot in there about some rando lieutenant, hey, it's that guy being in collusion with the evil aliens, the Kazon, but the episode didn't care about it, so I won't either. The end. The end forever. <laughs> this episode is a swing and a miss on a grand scale. Every single actor knows how terrible it is, and they try. They really, really try, but no. Just no. <clears throat> It's so bad. Especially because now all you have to do to get home is to get Voyager to warp 10, get to Earth, which would happen instantly, and then treat the crew with antiprotons before they turn into salamanders. But this doesn't occur to anybody, apparently. I can't think of anything more nonackable than an episode that negates the necessity of four and a half subsequent episodes of season, I should say, of television. Yeah, yeah, the episode of where Seven of Nine fights The Rock is hilariously stupid. But this episode, this episode is embarrassing and I hate it. I hate it so much I want to kill it with a shovel. Producer Brannon Braga even more or less apologized for it on the season two DVDs. You are not forgiven, Braga. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I'll start with I'll start with the profound apology. No, I mean, everyone. OK, everyone who knows anything about Star Trek knows about the Salamander sex episode. That's not like. That's not in question, but I had forgotten just how bad it is from stem to start on so many levels like that we didn't even touch on really. Like, I mean, for one thing, the salamanders supposedly represent the peak of evolutionary development, like millions of years in the future. <laughs> they don't seem sentient. They can barely move. <laughs> they get phasered by one stupid stun blast. I mean, how is that evolutionary development? I don't get it. Um the salamander, the frog suit, you can, you can see the eye holes in so clearly are so, so bad. I mean, I can't even like do justice to how bad it is, but um, yeah, I don't know. I have like, I mean, my notes are just like a series of like staccato outrages. Like, here we go with Tom's childhood trauma. What are the cube poop faces he's making during the entreaty to Captain Janeway and so on? Uh, I have to thank again with this for the, for this, but like when he took the tongue out, all I could think of was fruit roll-ups. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me. <laughs> I think it was on my mind for a reason again with this episode, but seriously. <laughs> um, there's, 
there's no explanation of why he reanimates. It's just like there's there is no science in this episode at all. And on top of that, uh, Dave, uh, tell me if I'm wrong on this, but they talked about Warp 10 having been being a theoretical impossibility, but they explored it on Star Trek The Next Generation with The Traveler. These days, with all the connected universes and, you know, show Bibles uh, being like 10 times as thick as they used to be in, in franchises, having story groups to keep track of this kind of stuff. Like, I think warp maximum warp has changed so much that right. yeah, it's kind of a pointless yeah. number to put I mean, something on i mean the trans warp the trans warp drive will inform the rest of voyager i mean that is eventually how they get home so but this is such an unrecognizable uh version of it that it's just like i it's just gobbledygook there's techno babble gobbledygook i have that in my notes as well <laughs> and i guess the last thing i'll say which is like a small offense on on a grand scale AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now. Gail, but like... The also the episode also starts with the extremely tired and basic uh, trope of someone dying and then it turning out to be a holodeck simulation. Yeah, come on, guys. So like, obviously, really. too. I also like how the holodeck is framed with um, convention center booth <laughs> framework stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Centuries into the future, yet there's uh, a coffee carafe from you know Sir Le yes, Table. Yes, thank you. There Not is, even. You know, it's from like Starbucks. <laughs> it's what they put the half and half in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll just sum up by saying it's so pointless. And the end is just like when, when they beam down to the planet, Chakotay sees the kids and the salamanders. He's just like, I'm not sure how I'm going to put this one in the log. So the whole <laughs> thing is just basically a shaggy dog story. It's so bad. Yeah. So, so bad. I Great presentation. I agree. A hundred thousand billion percent. I agree. Warp ten percent. <laughs> here, I'll, I'll squeeze in here. Okay. Um, how are salamanders the result of millions of years of compressed evolution? Like, how does that 
like even work? How, how did the writer not like, hmm. And then the other one is like, this episode reminds me of Identity Crisis from uh, Next Generation, which is one where Jordy sort of is pulled to a planet. He's not quite sure why. And it turns out he wants to be a lizard man and he becomes a lizard man. And yeah. then they do that, that sort of, you know, Jordy minus new DNA equals Jordy again. Phew, we did it. <laughs> Except for all the people that have been there that planet too long. They just leave him there too. Them and the salamander babies. So they just got to fend for themselves. <laughs> um, yeah, this episode is just like super boring until the end. And then that's when it hits no knack territory. Like, <laughs> it's so, it's so boring. Here we go on another test. It's just basically being in university again. And <laughs> that's not great, you know, and that's not no knack. But the no knack is definitely when okay, now Tom is turning into a newt and uh, <laughs> and now he uh, is a salamander and what? He kidnapped Janeway? What? They're having sex? What? They're salamanders? They had babies? And like, it's such a random thing. I can only think that the writer of this episode has some sort of bug fug fetish. Like, come on. Like, this is, this is something's going on here. This is a guy who just really wants to see people turn into salamanders and have sex. And for some reason, he's in the Star Trek writer's room. That's the yeah. only way I could figure out how this. Yeah. That last 10 minutes is definitely where you look at it. It's like, oh, even for you, Voyager. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you could chop off that last 10 minutes and stick it on Pornhub or something. It'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, you just got to figure out how to tag it properly. You know, you're off to the races. Free money. Yeah. Oh, Anyways, that's, that's my contribution. Uh, Tara, why don't you... Uh, Go next. Yeah. I mean, when Erica said it was like, with regard to um, the actor who plays Tom Paris, like, did he lose a bet? And that's why he's being forced to try to talk without a tongue. I feel like that way about this whole episode. Like, it seems like they threw a bunch of slips of paper into a hat and like just pulled them out and like, OK, get from point A to point B using these like stepping story points. And how we get Script to Mad Libs. Yeah. How we get to the newts. Like there's there's not enough ways for us to say it makes no sense because it it doesn't make any sense at all. And then for the and then the next scene after they they find the giant newts on whatever this jungle planet is, and then we're back on the ship and everyone's fine. Like how did that happen? Like do I care? I guess not. But like but how? Like why did we spend the first thirty minutes of this episode watching all of the tests if? you know, the solution was going to be, and then we, I don't know, gave you a space aspirin and now you're fine. Like Tara, whenever you don't know what happened, the answer is usually tachyon. Sure. <laughs> um, but I think the doctor even says it. He's like, no, what I was doing was right. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't do enough of it. <laughs> mm, okay. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, the other thing is that you can tell from the beginning of this episode, and I've barely watched any Voyager at all. I had to ask Dave, like, this is the one where they're just lost, right? Um, but even I could tell, like, oh, of all these characters, clearly this blonde idiot is the least interesting. And that definitely turned out to be true, even when he was like turning into a lizard. Um, but. And you know why he's that way? It's because his name is Robert Duncan McNeil, uh -huh. which is like the most schoolyard ready bullying. <laughs> name to have like you know that's you know duncan mcballs in my mouth like that's this guy's been this guy's had a rough life and the one with i'm the just most... saying this is kind of that, when you're naming your really? kids you got to think about how, these things and the one with you the don't have duncan issues, i think duncan mick anything and like, looks that's like a poor man's bill Irwin. like <laughs> no yeah kind of 
But yeah, the end just feels like they came to a certain point with the Tom Paris mutation story. And then um, and then they were like, and well, we have to end this because it's not going to be a two parter. So mm, giant salamanders, I guess it's like it's like when you're watching improv and they're like, uh, and then this character goes off screen and commits suicide. And that's because we can't think of another way to end it. That's that's the giant salamanders to me. And adding the baby salamanders is just like really guilting the lily like. They're cute, but come on now. And um, the one final thing I'll say is in that the, the clip that we hear of them, him, Paris joking about his tombstone, like, I don't recall anyone saying beloved anything, actually. Uh, but yeah, this was terrible. Thank you for bringing it to us. And thank you for subjecting yourself to the rage blackout that, <laughs> that preparing this presentation <laughs> clearly has caused in you. It's It was for a greater cause. Sarah. Uh, 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 I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I just started laughing thinking about the abrupt shrieked delivery of pepperoni which my husband and I have just been doing around the house randomly like just passing through a room it's like how's it going pepperoni why <laughs> I mean here, here was the here's the thing I was extremely entertained by the horribility of this. Um, <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, I don't understand why spaceship quartermasters are, as Dave said, using the same coffee carafes that we have now. I don't understand why 90s hair made it into the future. Um, I, but this really is like a Nonak checklist of like... There's crappy, like the set design is crappy. Um, there's sciencey. The set design looks like a really shitty hotel yeah. trying to be classy. That's always mm -hmm. bugged me about all the 90s and odd Star Treks until like Enterprise where they decided to like rhyme it up a little bit. Like those ships just look like like terrible retail specialty rooms, like the equivalent yeah. of when you go to the special sealed stereo room in <laughs> yeah. the hi-fi store except it's it's like a bridge it's like but the luxury like, lounge but the opposite it's the dollar store uh -huh. lounge right oh like when God. when tom is in the middle he's mid-mutant and he's like his skin is clearly very raw and bad things are happening to it and they've still got him lying on this bed in sick bay that looks like it's made of like this very rough heavy duty like office furniture bed like put a sheet down for this motherfucker. His skin is totally falling off. Literally. Why are you making him sleep on this like car upholstered couch? Anyway, Sarah, please continue. And why are you using um, packaged snack foods as your like props? Like my notes read, Oh no, his gummy tongue fell out. I hope they got that on the first take because then there's going to be a bunch of lint sticking to it. And then it looks like they just stuck like turkey jerky to his face. when it was <laughs> And then at some point someone's like warp 10, that's impossible. And then does this little Vogue pose. Like it, I could not stop laughing. It was really a fantastic 46 minutes or excuse me, a fantastic 36 minutes. And then the last 10 minutes, like he, they go to Salamander Planet. They're missing for three days. Uh, and then like they're, they're phasered. He and the captain go back to the ship and then it's just all better. Like fixed yeah. it. 
except the part where we're still gazillion parsecs from home. Like, so what <laughs> was the point of all that? Was it to make sure that one of the by numbers lines of dialogue that I think should be banned from all TV and film for a period of 10 years made an appearance? No one says, why do I get the feeling this isn't just a social call? No one says that. Uh, Stop using that kind of shit to fill time. It's like, so you were just in the neighborhood, eh? Like, no one shows up at each other's doorsteps anymore anyway. Spit it the fuck out. Not your yeah. gummy tongue. You need that. Don't you get into Oh, my God. I mean, it's offensive. It's just offensive. This actor is, I mean, he's not good anyway, but he was giving it 110%. I was not supposed to be laughing, but the unintentional hilarity was nonstop. Uh, my only possible like concern in voting this into the no neck <laughs> is that I don't get the impression that this is significantly worse than the average Voyager episode. Uh, others will have to advise uh, me. It is. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah. Voyager is not a strong Trek entry. I mean, if you're going to argue the no-knack on any angle, that would be it. That this is not a particularly great show to start with. It's an okay show. Right. But it's not great track. Uh, right. Yeah. It's it never really. But you're saying the rest of it is at least c competent the way mm. this is not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I mean, the car the, uh, the characters are boring for the most part. <laughs> yeah. The introduction of Seven of Nine uh, gives a much needed boost to the show. But I would still say. Even by this show standard, it is way worse than than than. The yeah, norm. my. Uh, so my if, if we're not defining it as a as a bad episode of a good show, but a terrible episode of a an okay show, I think. <laughs> I, I mean, I like Erica's <laughs> point that this is not just one of the worst episodes of television, but one of the worst things that ever happened. Like again, I disagree, <laughs> but I will leave you with the final note that I bothered taking, which is chirping landfish. WTF. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, let's put it into a yeah. vote, John Ramos. Um, this to me is what the nomad was made for. <laughs> it's a yes. All right, uh, Tara Ariana. Yeah, this is fucking terrible. Come on. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. <laughs> I'm going to say it is no knack. Sarah Devunting. Um, I don't wish to neuter this delightful presentation with a no. <laughs> so I'm going to say yes. Yay! <laughs> 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 all right guys that means star trek voyager season two episode 15 threshold or tom paris turns into a newt because he goes too fast <laughs> you are hereby inducted into the extra hot great can Tolerate a loser. No. It is time for winner and loser of the week. Tara has the winner. 
I sure do. Winner <laughs> is collectively the party of five because Freeform has officially decided to reboot it, except uh, it's it, with the original creators, apparently, according to Entertainment Weekly. But the difference is that on Freeform, the children are going to be orphaned, not by the parent's death by drunk driver, but because they are undocumented um Mexican immigrants and they get deported and that's what leaves the kids on their own, which is as we, I talked about last week and we were, I mentioned the fosters in around the dial, extremely timely. And I especially appreciate that Freeform has uh, seen the truth and is making a show about how ice as an entity is exactly as bad, if not worse than drunk drivers. And we will have more to say about this in the minis, but uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see how that goes. So good job. Loser of the week. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, deportation, not not hilarious. <laughs> oh god. Okay. Loser, loser of the week. Uh, the fire and fury casting agents apparently. They're going to try to turn Michael Wolff's uh, recent book into a film. I don't, it's not clear to me uh, why, since cable news has been talking about nothing but that for like two weeks. And, you know, it's, it's fine where it is, but good luck getting any actor to even read for any of these parts, much <laughs> less be cast as an accurate on-screen facsimile of either the president or that weird blob Steve Bannon. Uh, and like you got to be spray painted orange on the set every day. They've got to like drop your hair on you from a height. No good. So casting agents, I wish you luck. Godspeed. Speaking of things that need good luck, do you know what time uh, it is? <laughs> Salamander time? Oh. Close. It's game time. Oh. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Game Time. This is the seventh Game Time of the season. The standings currently are Tara, four. Valued guest, two. Sarah, one. Tara, what is our steel meal situation? Thank you so much for asking. Sarah has one steel meal. The valued guest has two steel meals. I have zero steel meals. Hello, Dave here with the producer's notes for Game Time. After we recorded, we realized that it might be more fun for you to know the answers going into this game time. So if that appeals to you, we're going to play a 20 questions kind of game. Check the show notes either on your podcast app or on our site for this episode, and you'll get all 15 answers so you can play along with us. All right, here we go. Today, we're playing 12 questions from yours truly, who earns himself nothing redeemable for diddly squat. It's 20 (laughs) questions, but with like eight less. You have 12 questions to guess the TV character. The earlier the answer, the more points you get, but you Ooh. can only guess once, okay. right? That's, okay. That's the game. Pretty simple. Okay. Let's throw it to Picky to see who's going first. We will start with Sarah. All right. Our order is Sarah, John, Tara. There's 15 TV characters to be guessed today. Are we ready to play 12 questions? Yes. Sort of. All right. Sarah D. Bunting. Ask me your first question. Um, are you male? I am. Are you American? I am. 
are you set in the present day you live now? Yes. Uh-oh. Ish. Um, are you in space? <laughs> no. Okay. Um, uh, are you a um, crime lord? No. Um, are you in a comedy? No. Do you ride a motorcycle? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is that seven questions? Yes. Uh, yep. Okay. Um, were you on, are you on a current show? No. Uh, were you on Fox? No. Shit. Two questions left. Um, do you tend to wear suits? Yes. Uh, are you? I don't know. I don't know what to guess. Are you Picard? This is wrong. I am Ben Stone. Ah! Um, okay. Uh, are you on a drama? Yes. Okay. Is your show on cable? Yes. Um, is your show set in the South? No. Is your show set in a city? Yes. Is it a crime show? No. Is it a medical show? No. Is it a legal show? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, are you male? Yes. How many is that? Eight? Eight. Eight. Okay. Is your character married? Yes. And no. Mm. Yes and no. Is married, but is not. Well. Um, is your show on FX? No. no Two more. I'm running out of ideas here. <laughs> um, is your show on AMC? Yes. Yeah, one more question. Is your wife deceased? Yeah. No. Hmm. But maybe. Maybe. <laughs> oh boy. For um, the most part, no. For the most part. No. Okay. <clears throat> um. All right. Who's the character? I guess this is just a matter of semantics, but I'm going to say Don Draper. I thought it was Rick Grimes when you said mostly dead. <laughs> no, well, because she's, you know. Because she's whatever. alive for the run sure, of the show. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Got it. Good job, I guess, she, I guess we don't actually see her die even. Yeah, so, no, yeah. but, yeah. Right. you know. She is dying. She okay. did. Uh, all right. Ooh, um, all for one point. <laughs> <laughs> it was suspenseful. If, if I may, you guys start to, you, you got to start wider. You, you, the way you're whittling it down is inefficient for, okay. for a 20 question scenario. So far. All right, Tara, here's your first one. Ask away. Okay. Uh, are you a woman? Yes. Are you white? 
No. Is your show currently on? Yes. Are you black? Yes. Is your show a comedy? Yes. Is it on cable? No. Are you a doctor? Yes. Are you Bo Johnson? That was, that was seven questions, so seven. you have five okay. points, right? Yep. Yeah. Five points. Well done. All right, back to uh, Sarah. Here's your second one. Okay. Are you a man? Yes. Um, is your show currently on? It is not. Was it on premium cable? It was not. Uh, was it on basic cable? It was not. Okay. Uh, was it a comedy? No. Uh, did it air in the 80s? Yes. <laughs> was it set in a bar? No. <laughs> Were you... Were you a doctor? No. Were you a lawyer? No. <laughs> Were you bald? <laughs> no. Hmm. Is that 11? Yeah. This is your final question. Okay. 80s guy. Magnum P.I.? I would guess. Okay. Is, right, this is, is it not Michael? a steel meal though, right? No, no, no. This is just for funsies. And unless yeah, okay. John, you have two steel meals. If you think you know, go for it. No, go ahead. Yeah. Is it Michael Knight? No, it's uh, not. It's B.A. Baracus. Oh. Yeah! oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, back to you. First question, fire um, away. Okay. Are you a man? Yes. Is your show on cable? Uh, No. Was your show on cable? <laughs> Strike that question. I just like okay. I had to think about whether that was the the place it was on was considered cable. Okay, got it. All right. I don't think. All right. Is your is your show currently on? No. Okay. Um. Are you the show's lead? No. Okay. Are you Caucasian? Yes. Is your character married? Um, or was your character married? No, no. I'm gonna say no. Okay. Let me say this, just just to clarify. I'm sure. not entirely sure if if this character is married. There is no wife in the picture during the show. Okay. Okay. okay I got it. I'm not yeah. sure of yeah. the fate of a potential wife or not. Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. Um. Was your show on NBC? No. Was it on ABC? No. Was it on in the 80s? No. Was it on in the 90s? No. Got a guess? No. Not a lot of information there. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, maybe married, maybe not. Anybody want to hazard a guess? That is Keith Mars. 
Let's keep oh. Mark. Oh. <laughs> uh, yep. Ask away. Are you a man? I am. Are you white? I am. Is your show currently on? It is. Is it a comedy? It is not. Do I watch this show? Oh. Uh. No. Okay. That's a, that's a good question. Wow. You just... <clears throat> okay. Um... I was like, is that legal? I guess it is. <laughs> the yes or no well, question. But you know the yeah. answer. Yeah. Um, okay. White I feel man. like you're abusing our relationship, but go ahead. It also doesn't <laughs> Well, you know what Sarah much. watches too, probably. <laughs> That's true. You do watch everything. Uh, okay. All right. The last question was, do you watch it? And it was no. Okay. White man on a not current show, right? No. You asked if it was a current show. I said yes. Okay. White man on a current show. Is it a drama? It is. Okay. Um, is it on a streaming service? Isn't everything? Yes. Okay, <laughs> but is it exclusively uh-huh, on a streaming service? You wasted a question. Service? Damn it! Okay. Uh, <clears throat> are you? Is your show set in the present day? No. Okay. That's nine. Okay. Are you the protagonist? Yeah. Are you Jon Snow? What? Nice. <laughs> nice. What did I get that for that one or two? That brings us into our first score break. Was that two or one? I lost track of how many points. Uh, yeah, uh, two points. Okay. Um, I have seven points. John has one point. Sarah looking to get on. All right. Back to... Me. Sarah, ask away. Are you a man? No. No. Um, I'm just so in like 20 questions mode that my next question is always like, <laughs> are you alive? That's dumb. Um, that was not a question. Uh, are you on a current show? Yes. Um, is this show set in the present day? Yeah, uh, yes. Hmm. Um, is this show... Yes, a- asterisk, I guess. <laughs> okay. Is okay. this show a dystopia? <sighs> Can be. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, are you Caucasian? Yes. Are you the lead? No. Um... I assume it's not, but is this a comedy? Yes. Oh. Hmm. Uh, present day can be a dystopia. Uh, is it on Fox? No. Is it on a traditional network? Like a terrestrial yes. network? Yes. Yes. Nine. Does Tara watch this show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tara. <laughs> Good question. <clears throat> um, is it? Oh, I don't even remember the character's name because I stopped watching the show. The um, uh, Chelsea Peretti's character on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Is that you? Mm. No. Anybody want to hazard a guess with the given information? 
No. I have a guess for the show, but I have no. I right. don't know any of the characters. The Last Man on Earth. Nope. Okay. Oh. That was that is Bad Janet from The Good oh. Place. Oh. oh, I watched that show. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right, look at this, John. You ready? Yes. Ask away. First question. Go. Okay. Are you a woman? I am. Okay. Uh, is your show on cable? Yes. Is it currently on? No. Okay. Uh, is your character the lead? No. Is your show from this century? Yes. Are you Caucasian? Yes. Um, is your show a comedy? No. Is it a crime show? It is not. Is it a procedural? It is not. Is your character is your character married? No. Is the show set in a city? No. And your last question. All right. Is it on FX? It is not. Any idea okay. who this character is? No. Uh, not a lot of information with those questions. The character, Laura Roslin. Laura Roslin. Uh, All right, to Tara. Okay. Are you a man? No. Are you white? Yes. Are you on a comedy? Yes. Is the show currently on? It is not. Okay. Was it on in this century? Love that question, John. No. Okay. Do you live in New York? No. Um, are you a mom? No. Okay. Was it a, on a network? Yes. Okay. Was it set in LA? No. Oh my God. A comedy. Oh, uh, are you Mary Richards? (laughs) Shit. I am Diane Chambers. Damn it. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, back to Sarah. Yeah. Ask away. Are you a man? I am. Um, are you white? I am. Uh, I'm going to just swing for some fences here because otherwise I can't win. Are you Brandon Walsh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anybody want to guess? It's a white guy. <laughs> I have a, a whole white guy? list written wow. down. <laughs> I'm going to guess Dylan McKay, just because if that's right, Sarah will <laughs> <laughs> <be> so mad. <laughs> I am Walter Sander. White. Oh, oh sure Walter are. White. All right. You did there. John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't give it away when she asked if he was white. You could have been like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how? <sighs> All right, John, your first question. Um, Okay, are you a man? I am. 
Uh, is your show currently on? It is not. Did your show take place in the U.S.? Yes. Was your show set in the present day? Yes. Was your show a procedural? No. Um, was it on a network? No. Did it air this century? Yes. Um, was it a drama? Yes. Mm, was it a crime show? Yes. Probably not Brandon Walsh. You said it was... <laughs> You said it was a man, right? I asked that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll just guess Tony Soprano. Yay! <laughs> so that's four, right? Four points? Uh, that was nine questions. So four points. Yeah, okay. Good job, Josh. All right. Tara. Are you man? I am not. Are you white? Yes. Are you in a comedy? No. Is it currently on? Yes. Okay, are you a mom? No. Okay. Um, are you in prison? No. Okay. Um, are you first lady? No. Okay. Um, do I watch your show? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it set in the present day? Yes. Uh, are you Katie from Great News? <sighs> I am Jessica Jones. Oh, Jessica. oh, good one. You are not a mom. That is for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, I have seven points. John has five points. Sarah's still looking to get up. All <sighs> right, everybody's last question coming up, so make it count. Okay. Sarah, I ready? Need like a yes. I need like a All right. run home run here. Okay. Yeah. Are you a man? Yes. Are you in space? Yes. <gasps> Are you Ooh. Captain Kirk? <laughs> I am Mr. Spock. Damn! Oh, oh no. Can I at least oh, so get a close. Dave point? No. Oh, really man. going for that? Come on. That's pretty good. I, I, I thought you were going to get it. I was, I was, I was, I was rooting for you, but Space. yeah, yeah very I close. can't believe David Tiberius Cole made it yep. Mr. Spock and not uh -huh. Captain Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, all right, John, ask away. All right. Uh, are you a man? No. Uh, is your show currently on? Yes. Okay. Is it on cable? No. Okay. Is it a comedy? Yes. How many points is he behind you? Two? Two. Yeah, two. Okay. I basically have to... I have to guess after, after, after 11, right? To, to that was his fourth question, right? To, fourth? Yeah, that was fourth. Yeah. Fourth, okay. Uh, is your show set in the present day? Yes. Are you white? 
Kinda. Oh. Kinda. <laughs> Red and white? Yes. White, technically, maybe not. It's a tricky question to answer properly. Uh, so you got a little more information than the one question. Okay. All right. Comedy. Uh, not on cable. White-ish? <laughs> when you say cable, you mean just every, that counts everything other than the networks, right? Cable to me is like something that isn't and the big three and Fox and like and CW, the CW and, okay. yeah, and stuff. Okay, so got okay. it. All right. Are you on a network outside the big three? Yes. Are you on the CW? No. And does your show take place in a city? Yes. You have such a ginormous clue in your tool bag right now. It's just a matter of figuring out what it means. A uh, uh, written Homer Simpson. <laughs> Damn. Homer Simpson is not not a man. Uh, that is Marge oh, sorry, Simpson. Sorry. Ah! <laughs> Who is it? I forgot what I asked. Marge, Marge Simpson. Oh. Marge, so glad. <laughs> All right, Tara. Truly the, the Mr. Spock to Homer's Captain Cup. <laughs> All right. Let's see how Tara does with the last question of the game. Right. Ask away, Tara. Are you a man? I am. Are you white? Uh, yes. Are you on a comedy? No. Is your show currently on? No. Did it air in this century? Yes. Um, I'm going to steal one of Sarah's questions. Do you usually wear a suit? No. Are you Raylan Givens? I am Gil Grissom. Oh, oh good one. Oh, good one. Bugman. Good one. <laughs> Uh, for your information, if we had a tiebreaker, we had three characters to choose from. We had Doctor Who, we had Brenda Walsh, and we had Al Swearingen in the Oh, boy. We do not need those. Brenda Walsh. Good job, Tara. Thanks. Tara. Tara. Congratulations, Tara. Well, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We did all the things we did. Remember. <laughs> We're listening. <laughs> I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano. Bye. Sarah D. Bunting. Pepperoni. And John Ramos. Homer Simpson is a woman. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. It's a post-gender one. Right here. <laughs> Extra hot great. Check your yellow privilege, John. <laughs> I guess this whole experience has left me feeling a little overwhelmed. Evolving into a new life form, mating, having alien offspring. You've broken more than one record, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> 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 Space! This has been a production of the Previously.tv Podcast Network.